What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 10 After 7 podcast with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson, episode 22. And I'm glad to bring on once again, my good friend, Kyle Slowey. K-Slow, what's up? The boys are back in town. The boys are back, man. I spent a week in uh, Palm Springs, did a little golfing. I'm not too bad. My swing's a two, and I'd say, uh, I don't even know. My, you look my like- swing. My swing looks like a two, but my ball my ball is a four. They say you look a little stiff, but it's all about just getting out there. I suck yeah, at it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even know. When I saw the videos, I was like, Jesus Christ, could you guys tell me that my swing looks like Charles Barkley on the back? <laughs> For me, come, transitioning from baseball to golf, is my swing has just been, like, way too constructed, so it's been tough. But I'm trying yeah, to but at least, at least it's fluid. I wasn't even that. walked in in golf to, like, Mona was trying to give me instructions of keeping my chin down and my other chin, keeping my arm straight. So there's so many things going through your head. It's impossible to get it right. Exactly. Too many coaches. <laughs> I wasn't too bad though. I kept it straight, lost one ball. I just wanted to keep the thing going. I was, did you get one out. in? Uh, I was pretty good at putting on hole 18. I was about six feet out, sank it, which is pretty clutch. All those years of mini golf. Yeah, that's right. Bucky's front yard. So uh, I'm bringing you on. There's some information. A lot happened this week for the first time. I think we could start with the Cam Newton news, signing a one-year deal with the New England Patriots, a base salary of $1.1 million. What was your initial thoughts when this went down? Long time coming, right? Long time coming. And I always – the Patriots had that spot open, so it almost seemed like too logical for the Patriots to bring them in, but you get all these rumors that they're in love with their current current quarterback out of Auburn who has no experience. It just seemed like a weird transition to come from Tom Brady for 20 years and go to this rookie and just kind of restart. <clears throat> so them saying Cam Newton made a lot of sense. Um, I'm glad they finally did. Yeah, there were a lot of teams that passed them up. We talked about the Jaguars. Uh, there were other couple teams that could have possibly brought him, brought him in as a backup. I didn't think he was a backup. I think he goes in New England and starts right away. I know there's rumblings that, yeah, they like Jared Stidham. Maybe that's a system thing. I think with coronavirus, it's a very different situation with Stidham probably already knowing the playbook over there, being with Josh McDaniels for a year. Who knows when they're going to get into camp, how many people are going to be around if they got to do just who knows? It's really up in the air. Can Cam even get the playbook up until week one? Can he get it right? Yeah, I mean, obviously Stidham's in the system, but how messed up would it be if they sign a quarterback and just kick Stidham to the curb, come out publicly saying Cam's the guy, you know? I think in football especially, it's always got to be the, well, it's going to be a battle, but, you know, we're going to go with our guy for now kind of ordeal. They haven't came out and said it's Cam's, right? They said it's an open competition? Yeah. They, um no, I don't think there's any word about that. Yeah, I just heard the rumblings that they are in love with Stenham. And it is interesting because Cam's contract is incentive-based. I mean, he can earn up to $6.75 million, I believe it is. And he has a lot to prove. If I want anyone, I want Cam Newton going in there with a chip on his shoulder. And it's such a patriot thing to do. Don't they always find a way to get the guy everyone else passes up? And it hasn't worked at sometimes. Albert Hainsworth, Chad Ochocinco didn't work. But Randy Moss <laughs> definitely worked. Randy. The quarterback situation 
It's just a whole different beast going from the greatest of all time to a guy in his prime had a trajectory going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I think you and I both are Swag Newton fans, especially in his days at Carolina. I mean, this guy's former MVP, so for the Pats to just get him pennies on the dollar is absurd. They're back to being a Super Bowl contender from being versus being the contender for the number one overall pick, a.k.a. the worst team in the league. So with Cam coming off of these injuries, we know the shoulder one is the most recent separated, had to do surgery there. I looked at his numbers because 2015 is a while back. That's when he won the MVP, had 35 touchdowns, 10 of those rushing, had 636 rushing yards. He was amazing. And it was because of his legs. And at 31, that's really the prime years for a QB. We're seeing guys go into their early 40s. So if he really does find it again, this might be the Patriots quarterback for the next five to seven years. And I'm the guy who invested in Cam Newton every fantasy last year. So I bought into him tweaking mechanics to ease the pain on, you know, the injury he had and that I'll be fine with him throwing less because he's such a big guy. He's got a great arm. You know, I think him being athletic kind of takes away from that and people just look towards the rushing numbers, but Cam can throw, you know. So he can't he can't throw. He's always hovered around 60% completion percentage. And actually going back to 2018, when we could actually look at his film and look at his numbers and actually take something from it, he played 14 games and he actually had the highest completion percentage of his entire career at 67.9%. That's in his MVP season, he was at 59.8. That's a big jump. I mean, he was obviously making improvements. Yeah, that's always good to hear. And you, for a guy that high of quality to not be signed till today, you know, you, you know, you'd expect there to be some internal turmoil. You know, um, you have expectations to be signed and be wanted, and to only be desired as a backup quarterback. That obviously has to eat at you. But for him to just stay silent and grind. You know, he's been putting out these workout videos that he's just all about the hustle and, you know, he's going to get his revenge. You kind of love to see that. I'm going to keep this shit brief. Yeah. I'm at your neck. I know you love that. I, I, I do want to bring up that point because Richard Sherman immediately on Sunday when the Patriots signed him, uh, it came out. He had a tweet. Let me pull it up for you. Uh, his tweet word for word was, um, how many former league MVPs have had to sign for the minimum asking for a friend, just ridiculous, a transcendent talent and less talented QBs are getting 15 to 16 million a year. Disgusting. So I don't think Richard Sherman thought this one out because I brought up the shoulder surgery in the past. He even had a foot injury. He hasn't played since 2018. So I think it's valid that not a lot of teams wanted to take a chance. We talked about how big his personality is. I didn't think you could bring him in as a backup. If you were going to bring him in, it was a starter. I think the Jaguars were the only other team that could have done that. And they're going in a different direction. They want to tank. They want Trevor Lawrence next year. So Richard Sherman, if you're going to call out these less talented quarterbacks, put a name on them. Who are you talking about? 15, six, 16 million a year. There is guys that have gotten paid, but they're also guys that haven't been hurt. Yeah. And it's ironic for Richard Sherman to say that, but because, um, you know, he signed an incentive-based contract coming off his Achilles injury, and he was like a, def a defensive player of the year. So I think it's kind of becoming more common for these elite veterans coming off injury to sign these incentive-based contracts and 
bet on themselves, you know. So I, it's kind of weird to see Sherman say that, but I think he's just frustrated that Cam wasn't being signed and, you know, everything, the political climate also could have been a factor. Yeah, I think, I think that had a lot to do with it. With this Cam, like you said, we're big Cam Newton fans, very likable guy going to, in my opinion, the most hated team in the land. And I want to ask you a straight-up question. I think a lot of sports fans need to ask themselves this question. If the Buccaneers, or who would you rather see win the Super Bowl this coming season? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady or the New England Patriots with Cam Newton? What's the better story? I would love to see Cam Newton, obviously, just because of the... But we can't. We can't let those Boston idiots fans chirp some more because that's why i hate the patriots their fans are awful yeah they They have every right to cheer but they're just they're not polite about it they're rude they throw it in your face which i probably do the same thing but they're spoiled brats over there and that's why i'm pissed cam newton ended up there yeah but i know you personally aren't the biggest tom brady fan i'm not that's why i and i think that might only be a question for me i think i already asked my brother and he said oh tampa bay i hate the patriots and I think for me, Bruce Arians, I love him. He's the head coach over in Tampa. I want to see him get the Super Bowl. So that's what it really comes down to. And I well, don't like Boston fans. And for Tom Brady, he's going from the situation where he had a legendary coach surrounding him in a winning environment for 20 years. Now, when the going gets tough, he leaves. When it gets shitty, he leaves to Tampa Bay, which is arguably a better situation to be in to win a championship. Um I'm not really a fan of that. I'd rather see a guy like Cam, who's been doubted this entire past six months, come in and just fucking prove it. Yeah, and I think that I think the Cam one is would be a bigger story. Belichick winning with a completely different quarterback. And as far as fit goes, do you think they're gonna build this offense completely around Cam? Do you think he's gonna run as much? Or do you think he's gonna be in the drop back system, dink and dunk with Edelman that we've seen Brady the last two decades? <laughs> Cam has a cannon. He's kind of like throws it as hard as Brett Favre. So, and it feels like the Patriots are more of a short passing game. So I don't know. It might be tough to transition into that offense. They might have to get Josh McDaniels is uh, kind of creative. So I think they'll figure it out. The more important thing is clash of personalities with Bill Belichick being very serious and Cam Newton being a little more laid back. But I think what we've seen is Cam's pretty serious about winning. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, and uh, on top of this, it's gotten brushed under the rug. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but this one I could get behind. And it's the day of the Patriots getting fined $1.1 million by the NFL and also losing a third-round draft pick for video personnel filming the Bengals' sideline last year. Uh, And the same day they signed Cam Newton to kind of brush that under the rug. And I I want to tell people the Patriots – are still dirty sons of bitches. Uh, what's the point? You're filming two ter- like not the greatest teams in the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. So not the not the greatest team. And really, it, yeah, they lost a third round pick, which is kind of. I mean, that's that's kind of big. But again, Bill Belichick. And there's no blood on his hands. There's really no blood on anyone's hands. The guy that was filming got fired. And the Patriots can't do any behind-the-scenes filming this year. So, uh, yeah, I just it needs to be noted that, once again, they got caught. The only reason you do that is a cheat, because all these games are so accessible on TV and stuff. 
Yeah, right. I mean, that's it's absurd. I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. And it's only them, time and time again, only them. Yeah, once you get, yeah, anyways. <laughs> yeah, I'm we scared. can move on to the NBA. Uh, schedules are set. By the way, it's July 2nd we're recording this. And this is a huge month. And I told myself going in to every other podcast from here on out, I'm only going to be optimistic. There's reasons to be pessimistic about things. There's positive corona tests coming out of NBA camps. Uh, most recently, DeAndre Jordan came out, said he had it. Spencer Dinwiddie, also on the uh, Brooklyn Nets, had it. Uh, nine players this week, 16 players last week. So it's concerning, but they have. Uh, July 9th through the 29th, three scrimmages per team. So I'm ready for it. I don't know about you. I'm just keeping my head straight. This is going to happen. There's a lot of talk. What are the odds of it happening? I'm telling myself it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. The only thing that will prevent it from happening is like a star like Kawhi or LeBron testing positive. But I think those guys have too many, you know, they're probably mansions in LA. They've been quarantining pretty well. So I don't know. I don't understand how some of these players are contracting it, you know, with the hopes of an NBA season and playoffs in your future sites and you like go out and expose yourself to public and test positive for COVID. Um, well, you bring up Kawhi and the Clippers, like not even two hours ago, the news broke that they shut down their facilities because someone tested positive. And that's the scary thing. That training camp on July 9th to the 29th, that's when players are going to get started to get tested daily. That's when it's going to get kind of rough. Like what number does the NBA look at and say, okay, way too many guys are testing positive. We got to shut it down right now. Because it's better to shut it down before the season even begins than having teams go and we're in August and the NBA shuts it down. And if they even shut it down at this point, that's the biggest blue ball in blue ball history. 100%. Absolutely. I, there, you can't explain to me a bigger blue ball than that. And we've all had blue balls. It won't be bigger than this one. Yeah, you're never going to have a pandemic ripping sports out of every fan's hearts and then – Getting teased, yeah, exactly. Getting teased with it coming back, only to be stripped from us again. So yeah, I think I think that training camp dates the ninth through the 29th. That's when we're gonna really find out if the NBA is gonna go forward with this. I want to bring up this uh, text that Austin Rivers had because there's a lot of debate. We debated it a couple weeks ago about a possible asterisk being on this season, and this is Austin Rivers quote for quote. I think whoever wins should have an asterisk next to it but only for it being one of the toughest championships ever won. You're asking guys to take three, four months off, then come back and find chemistry, et cetera, then play during a pandemic while players are fighting for BLM. There's a lot going on right now, crazy times and a lot of worry. And during these times, players are leaving their families to go live in a lockdown bubble. So for all these reasons and more, I think it will be one of the more tougher championships ever won. Only season ever like this. Ever. Well, Agree that or disagree? Well, that gave me the chills. That's like a, a movie speech right there. Um, yeah. I agree. You know, all the points he's bringing up. It's tough circumstances. Obviously, coming out of game shape and flow with your team. A lot of these NBA teams go on winning streaks, similar to MLB. You know, they go on winning streaks at the end of the season, carry it over to playoffs. It's kind of going to be hard to just gel back together with a few scrimmages. Um 
even watching the Jordan documentary, you see how they bonded from the practices they showed along the season. That was like a pretty important part of the show. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's going to be, especially with everything going on, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty glorious for whoever wins. Um, I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I definitely. It's the first time Austin Rivers, a Duke guy, didn't really like him at Duke. Uh, I love his passion for the game, and I don't really agree with a lot of things he says, but this one, I think it's spot on. And Giannis even came out and echoed the same sentiment about it, saying it's going to be the toughest championship. And basketball especially, it's chemistry-driven. If you have even one dude of the five out there that's not in link with the other four guys, you're screwed. You are absolutely screwed. So for them to take off three or four months – and like you said, come back in shape. It's, I mean, it's absolutely, I mean, how many teams, you could probably go back in history of the NBA and point to teams that got hot maybe the last eight to 10 games of the season and rode that momentum into the NBA. And it's probably the one sport where you don't see that too often. You see that more in the NBA, but teams definitely ride off momentum and you got to be together and it's going to be crazy to see these teams get thrown into the bubble and see how they perform. It's going to be so tough. And the only thing that could um, kind of tear down his argument is if, like not even big stars. Like I said before, like Kawhi or LeBron testing positive, but like guy like Lou Williams for the Clippers testing positive and the Clippers lose in the semis. There might, or even a couple other teams, you know, have their minor stars test positive and don't play. Um, Someone might play. There's going to be argument. People arguing that there's an asterisk because. Do you think left. you could bring? Do you think you could bring up uh, injuries play a factor in years past too? Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, there you go. Boom. That's a good yeah, point. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a pandemic. It's a virus. It's different, but at the same time, a twisted ankle could keep a guy out for a couple of games. Last year, Kevin or was it last year? Yeah, Kevin Durant. Torn his Achilles. That flipped the entire series on its head. Yeah. So I think and everyone can really contract it. We've seen it. So it, it everyone's on equal platform. Devin hit me up today and said, there's absolutely an asterisk. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, these teams don't even have home court advantage. And I said, okay, so it's equal for everyone. 10 to 20 years from now, it's going to be a banner. No one's going to look up and see an asterisk. So, and everyone already is going to look back on 2020 as one of the most batshit crazies of our lifetime. And when we talk about sports, yeah, they took them away. But when it came back, you know, the Lakers won a championship, the Dodgers won a championship, and the Rams won one. I mean, I might be, I might be dreaming, but that would be wild. That would be a dream, huh? Yeah, that's that's the NBA talk. Baseball, 60 games. Universal DH opening day supposed to be the 23rd of July and the 24th for teams. They started their summer camps yesterday, and it's really cool to actually see the footage of these guys practicing at their home ballparks with no one around. Dodger Stadium has the crowd noise pumped in. Justin Turner's going yard. Alex Woods taking BP. I'm fired up, and I want to go back and uh, slap myself in the face for actually posting and saying I'm on record that 50 games is a fucking joke because I've been watching a lot of MLB network and man, I'm stoked for the 60 game season. Everyone's got a chance. Everyone's starting on the same platform. Fire me 
up and every game matters. One of the people who aren't fans of MLB, they always say, oh, the season's so long. What does one game out of 162 matter? And it's like, well, now it's 60. And I'm telling you, there's going to be a point in the middle of the season where this game is vital to playoffs. So it's, it's going to happen quicker, and uh, I'm excited. And for the smaller market teams, I mean, you're going to get a lot of, maybe not a lot, but maybe some Cinderella stories out of this. I mean, for instance, what if, and it probably is a huge what if, but what if the Baltimore Orioles (laughs) find a way to get out of their division and compete in the playoffs? Because all they have to do is get into the playoffs, you know, and who knows what kind of win threshold that's going to be. But It's a crapshoot every year. Every year it's a crapshoot. There's going to be a team that catches a streak like you're saying. It could be any team, and that streak's going to fucking carry them. And the Dodgers have been on twice in the last decade, a 60-game stretch. They've gone 51-9. and nine. So just want to note that. And I also want to say, not to fanboy two out, but the Dodgers are set up perfectly. I mean, the universal DH, how they're going to go about that. When you want to play Bellinger at first – maybe throws CT in center field. Hey, Muncie, you want to DH this game? Jock Peterson, next game. Hey, Kike, go play left field. Jock's going to DH today. And the pitching staff, Julio Urias, Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw. And what do you do with Alex Wood, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin? Let's go. I mean, depth is going to show out and win out in this thing. And there's a lot of teams with it. Tampa Bay has been noted. I watched TV today and I saw the Minnesota Twins Roto and their lineup. Forgot they added Donaldson. That's a team that, no joke, look out for. That's your sleeper team to win it all, huh? Um, or at least make the playoffs and make a run. I, I, could, I will say right now, if we're going to do sleeper teams. I know you love doing that. I'm, I'm going to say the Minnesota Twins are my sleeper team to win the whole damn thing. I had no idea they added Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson, <laughs> Rich Hill, Kenta Maeda. Well, the funny thing is they broke that record for all the home runs last year. Um, 307. It's, so adding a guy like Josh Donaldson where all he does is hit home runs adds a, null, a whole other layer. And I like Jose Barrios, their ace. So. I, I love him. And Odorizzi right behind him. And you talk about Donaldson. Nelson Cruz just turned 40 yesterday, and he still has the most home runs in MLB since, I think, 2014. Big bopper. The only downside to them is they got guys that, obviously with any home run hitter, um, are guys that can catch cold streaks and go on slumps. So you never know. It, that's going to be a fun team to watch, see what kind of trend they go on. Uh, I heard about the Rays. What do you think about the Rays? A lot of pitching over there. Yeah, the Rays. Um, I'm not actually the biggest fan of the Rays. They always, they had Tommy Pham, got rid of them. Um, who else do they got? They, well, they they pull, what's cool about the 40, I think it's they have no players. one. Well, 60 players that you can make eligible, it's kind of cool because they brought up the top prospect in baseball, Wander Franco, who I think is only 19. Imagine him getting some run during this thing. Yeah, they got guys like Brandon Lowe, I think, was their all-star maybe. Um, just a bunch of low-key, no names, but they can, they're decent enough to piece it together. Um, I think kind of like the Indians did, they had, they had some no names, obviously became stars later, but – a, guy, a team I like is the Chicago White Sox. I knew you were going to go there. I knew it. <laughs> well, the Giolito, Kopex, yeah. Keuchel. Yeah, Keuchel. Gio Gonzalez is their fifth starter. Um, 
a lot of a mix of veteran and young hitters. And with those young hitters, they don't have the endurance to make it the entire 162 of a regular season, but a 60 game season, they'll be fresh. It's very tempting to pick a young team like the White Sox to slip into playoffs because they have some phenoms that they have called up, like Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert, who you love. So you think White Sox could win it all? They, I they, mean, do have the, they have the staff to it. I mean, last year, Giolito was one of the top starters. Keiko's good. Like you said, Gio's at the back end. Like, these guys have the experience. And the two young guys, Dylan Cease and Reynaldo Lopez, both young developers who were top prospects. So, yeah, Reynald, Reynaldo's my guy. Was on the Nationals, made his debut against the Dodgers, drafted him the next year in our league. I, I got my I have one that you're going to hate, but. The reason being is because they're notorious for fucking dominating and then just falling off the last 30 games, the Colorado Rockies. You know, it would be – I hate it because it's in the division. But yeah. We know we're the biggest. You played against them in high school in CIF. Aaron Otto is my guy. I love Aaron Otto. Exactly. For that it reason. Would be, it would, yeah, it would be cool for him. And they've been on the Dodgers' heels the last couple of years. I mean, there was a game 163. So that shows you. I want to talk about – can we please, like, can we just bypass it and put the Angels in? Oh, man. They did some. Get Trout in. They did some beautiful things to help out Mike Trout in the offseason. Getting probably the best of last year, obviously glorified in playoffs, but Anthony Rendon is just a stud hitter that very under the radar. And you know um, what bit him? You know what bit him, honestly, is, and it seems so long ago that this happened. I mean, it was before the pandemic. That trade that got uh, rebuffed with Stripling going over there and Jock Peterson, that would have made them stronger. They would have added an arm to the staff, and Stripling's good. It was an all-star two years ago. And Jock, we know, especially playing at Angel Stadium, that right field porch, balls would have been flying out of there. They could have used them. Um, yeah. They also and have- I know Joe, Joe Adele will probably get rushed up to the bigs. He's their top prospect. Pujols still under contract. <laughs> Yeah, for the next 30 years. The thing with teams like the Rockies and especially the Angels, they haven't had pitching help at all, you know. Ever. But I don't know. They got Julio Teheran, who's kind of a journeyman, Dylan Bundy, who got rocked. Anyone that's on the Orioles gets rocked as a pitcher. Yeah. Both was, of those guys. I I I started a screen start in fantasy, and both of those guys get lit up quite Bundy? often. Yeah, Bundy was Gatorade Player of the Year back in high school. I remember that. I just love following the prospects. But so he has, I mean, you know, he has that kind of notoriety. Maybe he can turn it around in LA. Well, those are definitely teams we're going to keep our eyes on. Obviously, there's the Yankees. Uh, I think this entire thing, if you're going to take a silver lining out of it, a lot of their dudes who were injured are going to be ready. Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton. Question is, will they stay healthy? And they got Garrett Cole over there. So they're one to watch. The cool thing about this 60 games is 40 of the games are going to be in your division. So the NL West, and they're going to keep it regional. So the AL West is coming in to the NL West to play each other for the 20 interleague games to finish out the year. And Hey, Houston Astros, welcome the fuck to Dodger stadium. You're getting two to the dome, one to the rib, (laughs) three on the ass, at least one game. The Dodgers got to do it. And I know they're not going to talk about it. I know Kenley Jansen came out recently and said that's not the way we're going to handle it. But, hey, we got to see one of them get plunked. And who is that one you want to get plunked, if you had to pick one? Uh, George Springer. 
and Alex George Springer, Alex Bregman. Thing with George Springer is he makes himself out to be just like good dude. Probably wasn't involved, but you know him he especially. Was he had six homers, home in runs, series. home runs off of it. Yeah, I want Tied Correa the so record. Bad. I want Correa. Correa so yeah. Oh yeah, Correa's chirping still too. Chirping like he's like not liable at all, or like not. Didn't Thank you. You know what? Thank you because I forgot about those comments at the beginning of spring training. Yeah, remember? Yeah, Th- fuck it. Oh, hit him every time he he's comes up. Telling Cody Bellinger to keep his mouth shut, like we weren't, you know, we only got caught cheating one game. Yeah, the MVP, the, the, the MVP that won, telling him to shut up. And Correa, all the hype after you were the number one overall pick, you really haven't lived up to it. How many back injuries you got, kid? Exactly. How many back injuries? Well, you sit the fuck down, and I hope you get one to the rib, to the back. Get, you're out. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, fi- I'm fired up for it. The Astros coming to Dodger Stadium. It's gonna. They can't get. I, I hope actually the crowd noise gets in there and it's all booze every single at bat. You think they would do that? That'd be so funny. I do want to bring this up. This is near and dear to my heart. Near and dear to my heart. So if the Dodgers, if they win, I already, I already took back my comments. I and I already said I would be there anyways. And I think the fans are going to be the ones on the front line that are going to have to defend this title. And we will. It's a world championship. Everyone started on the starting line. So us fans have to be there to defend it. And I asked you this question. If Clayton Kershaw goes into the postseason and balls the hell out, does he get all the credit? Yeah. This season? With the cheating scandal coming out, being broken, and that being a major factor in that um, game five, right, in Houston, where things went south and no one knew how all these home runs were being hit, and it was obviously because they were cheating. For him to have his reputation tarnished over the years based off mainly cheating from the Houston Astros, even the Boston Red Sox were involved in it, and to come back strong – especially at his age and with all the bad talk that's come about, that'd be legendary. That would be so legendary. And yeah, you bring up game five, Kershaw, if they're not cheating, Kershaw gets the win there. He's two and oh, and he likely is the world series MVP and We're, the whole narrative has changed. It's going to be so a you want to talk about, Yeah. A hundred percent. And Rich Hill on the twins now actually came out and said this world series title would mean more than what 2017 means. I agree. They can make yeah, a movie that... based on it, honestly. I'm already getting the goosebumps. Well, there will be a 30 for 30 for Clayton Kershaw. All right? 100%. And it's going to end well. And I'm going to be at Cooperstown that day when he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. You better believe it. You gotta I, wanna, uh, I do want to end with, do you think anyone will hit 400? 400 home runs? That'd be something in 60 games. I mean, everyone just juiced to the gills, but you think someone bats 400. I thought you um, meant as a team breaking that Twins record. Um, does anyone bat 400? Um, yeah, does everyone hit 400? Mike Trout certainly could. Who else could? Um, without So the, a fun fact is the only guy to do it in a 60-game stretch over like the last – 20 years or so is your boy Chipper Jones hit 408 in 60 games. That's so badass to start the season. I could have, yeah. I, who else could do it? Um, uh, Trout, 
I think Trout, they just said it's going to be tough because hitters are going to be a step behind because they're not facing live pitching right now. Yeah, but they've been hitting their whole life. It's not like it, it's not going to take that much time to get accustomed to. I don't really believe in that stuff, but who knows? I think Trout could do it. Uh, Tim Anderson, I think, led the AL last year in hitting. Yelich is another guy you got to keep an eye on. Yelich. Yelich could do it. Yeah, Yelich could for sure do it. Uh, Bellinger was hovering around the first month of the season last year, hovering around 400. Uh, how many home runs do you think will lead the league? Let's see. Um, I'm going to go with 28. 28? <laughs> I, yeah. I think that's, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. 21. Be 21. 21. That will be cool. And there'll be a little home run race that we can keep an eye on too, since it's only 60 games. Um, who's your MVP? Uh, I mean, it really is. It's it's random as hell, but I think Mike Trout's still the favorite because every single year you can give it to him. Yeah, it's going to be Mike Trout. And then hopefully Cody Bellinger. I asked that question today. Who do you think has a better season between Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger? Well, actually, here's a here's a good one. Oh, I could see Mookie going off with us. Yeah, that'd be breaking some insane amount of runs, just kind of having the sport sport hitters behind him, the Dodgers. But here's a good one: sleeper dark horse MVP Kershaw, sixty games, no worried about injury. Yeah, but I wonder how that's another. It's going to be the whole strategy thing is what's. I'm getting fired up about because the Dodgers have so many pitchers. Are they going to do a five-man rotation? What's the deal? Because you want to save these arms. Like, how many starts is Kershaw actually going to get? I mean, if he doesn't give up a run. Something crazy like that could happen, you know? How many starts will he get? I don't know. Five? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, that's, and they're going to have to decide a Cy Young. So Yeah. I'm, I'm calling him at least I am. I'm feeling it. Oh, man, that would be something. And I would say, dude, like, people forget, Bueller's a fucking dog, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, I love that, dude. Yep, I agree. Uh, yeah, so I think we covered really all the sports. Uh, hockey hasn't put out any information about uh, when they start, right? No, I'm pretty sure the – what, did the Kings get a top two pick in the draft? Yeah, they're not going to be in it. They came up with that. Uh, oh, they had a lottery? Pretty sure they had a lottery on Friday or something. I was with uh, our good friend, Luke Trunowski, and he was like, King's got second pick. We were watching TV. Do you have any idea who the top hockey prospect is? No, but the thing is, I'm just saying, it's kind of crazy that we go from this team carrying the trophy. Yeah, it's insane. To, uh, I blink my eye, and we're like – so they were, they were coming out with a thing where, like, the top – Pretty much every top team except five make it to the playoffs. And we, I was like, where are the Kings? Where are the Kings? And we, we didn't even make the list. Yeah, them and the Ducks. At least they're sucking at the same time as the Ducks. So these Orange County kooks can't say anything about it. Yeah, we got second pick. So um, MLS, I think they were supposed to start next week, right? But uh, that's kind of big news. The Dallas team, don't even know. Maybe it's Dallas United. It's not far-fetched guess, but uh, – I think like 11 of their players uh, tested positive. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I haven't even heard anything of the MLS. And what's is actually breaking news right now is if you go on Nike's website to the NFL section, they've removed all of the Washington R-Skins mem- 
uh, oh. everything. Wait, how quick are you going to be able to turn this around and come up with a new logo? And that's what I was thinking. Oh, it has like if they're if they're going to put it in motion, I don't. It can't happen this season, right? No, I I, I personally don't think so. It's like a month and you know a month and a half away. When do they come back to training camp? Like I mean, but if Nike's pulling your shit, that's huge. Like this could really hit the ground running. Well, and Nike, it's a long time coming. It gets brought up every year. And Nike, yeah, I, well, Nike supports Colin Kaepernick, so they're really involved in everything. And I mean, it makes sense. The Redskins such kind of a very terrible it's name. Very, so it's outdated for sure. And a Redskins fan called into Dan Patrick about three weeks ago. He calls in all the time. He always says, "Hell to the Redskins." That's their call. He said, "Honestly, I would be fine with the team team name change, but just keep the colors." And I agree with that. Their colors are pretty sick. Yeah, and if you change the name, you get new apparel, new everything. That's just going to increase all your merchandise sales. I, I, I just don't understand why an owner wouldn't have done it earlier. Yeah, Dan Snyder's just being stingy, that old nerd. That's why they always make new jerseys, like redesign their jerseys every two years, especially with the Rams botching. Um, yeah, that's a botch, man. Every time they come up, I'm just like, damn it. I tried to convince myself they were cool. Still, I think the all-whites are decent, but man. What would be a yeah. good? What would be a new name for the Washington? Uh, I don't know. Are you a guy that likes you know? Um, what do you call it? Yeah. Like Washington Wizards double. Uh, there's a word for it. I'm blanking. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like doubling up on. Well, yeah, doubling up, doubling up on the letters. Uh, could uh, a lot of a lot of names are going to be changed? So what? Like I was thinking, Washington Warriors. I see that Washington Warriors. What they just kind of want to keep it towards like the tribal. Yeah, maybe because no one's calling for the Golden State Warriors to change their name or anything like that. Uh, I would love the Warriors because that was my high school logo. And it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna happen where they're gonna have uh, a vote on it, and we're not gonna like the name at first. Like I thought the Thunder was a horrendous name when that first came out, but that just, it, it has a ring to it. Oklahoma City Thunder. I actually love it. Bring the thunder, you know, kind of flows. Yeah. And I didn't like that at the beginning. Um, I know Phoenix had to do it back in the day. Yeah, I don't know, but it's a long time coming. It's probably going to happen very quickly. Uh, and the jersey designs and all that, yeah, I don't know how they're going to do it so quickly, but it's got to happen. I'm for it. Yeah, I'm definitely for it. Uh, did you watch uh, Poirier for Sucker last thing? Yeah, I did. Took the over. <laughs> did you? Yeah, those are always crazy. It? Just because it's like, it was two and a half rounds out of five, so. You didn't pick uh, either or? I know Poirier was a minus 240 favorite. I didn't pick either or. I saw Dan Hooker's highlights, and he just looked lethal. But watching that fight, they were bleeding 30 seconds in and just crushing each other. I thought it was one of the best fights I've seen since quarantine, but probably all year. Dude, it's it's never it, it'll never happen. Uh, but UFC without fans, dude, there's so much more you can take from it. Like during that fight when Poirier, I think in the first or second round, gets kicked below the waist, and uh, twice in like the matter of thirty seconds, and Biz being so loud right in the corner, the color commentator, and you could hear Poirier say, "Hey, listen to Bisbee. and then even in the corner. Um, <laughs> Even in Poirier's corner after round like four, his uh, corner man, which you could get normally, but the corner man comes up to him and goes, you having fun? 
And Poirier's like, yeah, I'm having a blast. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. But uh, do you think these guys get more locked in without a crowd there? Because this is their this is their setting when they're training for these fights months leading up to it. It's just them and their guys. There's what, 15, 20 people around them. Just come, like pretty much doing exa- emulating training camp. Um, you know, my dad coaches wrestling still at the high school. And he just says, I'm pretty much in my player's ear, just telling them what to do, you know, when they're in trouble. So it's a lot easier if I think for these fighters to kind of lock in and focus on what they're doing wrong. And, you know, usually it's just like the, how, what is it like 20, 30 seconds um, after each round where they're yeah. huffing and puffing. It's hard to take an in info. They got, they got their coach um, give them suggestions throughout the, throughout the fight. So I, I actually, I was listening to a podcast with Theo Vaughn of all people. He's good friends with Poirier. And he said the crowd, you forget how much of a factor they play because you could be, you know, in the moment, boxing a dude right in the middle of the uh, canvas and you could hear the crowd go ooh and you might not even register like what they're oohing and on about and you have to put that into account and then you got joe rogan so loud or daniel cormier well for sure bisbean for sure in this fight i don't know if you caught it was rooting for poirier he said he was literally like poirier's corner saying hey get off get off your back get off your back yeah, and the thing is, these announcers can kind of, I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure the judges have integrity, but if you're hearing Joe Rogan and Cormier and Bisping saying like, oh, what a vicious blow, that's a text or very technical, you know, uh, you know, kind of pointing out things that are, um, that kind of get missed by the fans' eyes, I don't know, could kind of sway the judges. I'm just thinking from a gambler's eye, but... Oh come on! Seriously, the whole time I'm you've like, been you've been burned you've been burned one too many times. But think about it; he's rooting for Poirier. This is rigged, you know. Brings up all that yeah, stuff. They probably do that, but the judges are in their own world. We've seen some of the worst uh, decisions that we've seen. But um, yeah, that's what we have for this week. Uh, July Fourth's coming up. Uh, you could still throw back some beers. That's for sure. You could barbecue. I hope you have a good one, man. Thanks for coming on. I'll probably see you this weekend. Thanks, I go. I see you, Cody. See you, man. There you have it. Another podcast in the books with my good friend, Kyle Slowey. I hope you guys have a wonderful 4th of July weekend. Be safe. You can follow me on Twitter at 10 after 7 or on the Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. I'm out. Woo! Go Dodgers. 